0: Live from the summit in Miami, Florida, the core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Rick Ruby, Chris Doe, and special guest, Jeff Pratacanjali. Today's topic, Money 101.
1: Well, welcome to our class. This is one of our foundational classes. We teach sales team and money. I'm an excellent salesman. I'm a fabulous coach, and I'm fabulous with money. This is my favorite topic in the world besides Jesus. Okay? This is the best class I can teach you. So... Uh, I got taught this 35 years ago. I've been teaching it for 35 years. It's a process, it's a system, it's how to bank, how to use credit cards, how to save money, how to accumulate money, how to give. I'll talk some investing. Chris Stokes is one of my new coaches. We always start our new coaches. He's been a client for how long? Five years. Five years. He's just got to the level of breaking onto the coaching team. My financial planner, Jeff Fratacangeli, is here. If you look up Barron's, I think he's, what are you, 60s now? What, what are you in Barron's? Uh, 28th. 28th in country for financial planners. So you'll never get access to a guy like him. So he's one of my students. I've been coaching you for how long? 10 years, Ten years I've been coaching him. I've known him for 15. About five years into our relationship, he said, listen, I need to be coached. I said, I don't coach financial planners. He says, you need to coach me. So he pays me just like my students pay me. Y'all coming into money class. Hey, you lenders. Are you a lender? Get in here. Late. Cool. So, he's my financial planner. He's an excellent money manager. He only manages clients probably 3 million above, 5 million above. What's your starting point now for a new client? Help anybody in the court? Yes. 10 million above for anyone else. 10 million and above for anybody. So, he has lots of who's who's. I'm not even tops in his list. Am I still in the top 10 or not even in the top 10 anymore? Barely. (laughs) Barely. (laughs) I go to his parties with all these rich guys, and it's like, oh my gosh, they're all so rich. So I'm at this party one time. He has this uh, Detroit Grand Prix party, and he's got some race car drivers that he manages. So he has this big, like, glass thing over the racetrack. And I'm not like that. I don't go to those kind of things. So I go. We hang out. I'm down on the racetrack, seeing the race cars. Oh, wow, wow. the pace car, guys. I was in the pace car. I rode in the pace car at the Detroit... Like Grand Prix, it was pretty cool. So I'm hanging out. I'm very uncomfortable because they're all very hoity-toity. I know they're all filthy rich. I keep telling myself, you're good enough to be here. You're good enough to be here. You have enough money. You qualify. You qualify. And I'm hanging out with this other guy, and he says, I'm really uncomfortable. I said, I'm really uncomfortable. And we get to talking, and he owns goes pizzas. He's got like 800 pizzerias all over the country. I'm standing there knucklehead. And so we had a good time, meeting him. And we ended up riding the pace car. So we had, I figured I must have had a pretty good bank balance if I was in the pace car. It must have been something. So we had a good time. I'm always nervous about my money. I meet a lot of successful people. And as soon as I start asking real questions, what do you think happens? Do you think I get elevated or I get demoted? I get elevated because I got a big bank balance. Because I've been saving money for 35 years. I was taught by a wealthy man. I'll tell you that story. Uh, He taught me this system. I've been on this system for 35 years. I've never missed. If you look at investing. Let's, let's not talk about saving. Let's talk about investing. What's the number one rule of investing? Timing. Okay, time in is better than timing. I agree. Consistency. Jeff, what's the number one rule for investing? No.
0: Dollar cost average.
1: Dollar cost average every month. That means every month you send your money in the market. Out of all your rich, rich clients, who does it the best? Nobody's done it Who never misses his monthly check? Two things you never miss. Yelling at, yes. yelling at him and sending him money. Normally, if the market goes down and I have to send in more money, it's a check with a yelling. But there's always a check. The first day of every month, there's a check to the financial planner. Never fails, never misses. We've been together managing my money, what now, 16? 21 years. You've been managing me for 21 years? About well, 20,
0: 21.
1: Have I ever missed a month where I didn't send a check? Never. No. Never, ever miss the... Now, do the other rich guys do it as consistently as me? There's nobody like you. I know there's nobody like me. I like... It. Oh, 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 I like it. So listen, I am consistent. You are financially not. Raise your hand if you are not financially consistent. It's the whole world. They're not financially consistent. I've taught this system all over the country, I've taught it in churches, I've taught it at colleges, I've taught it to econ classes, I've taught it to junior high kids, I've taught it to high school kids. This should be taught where? Growing up, and it should start in junior high and high school. Learning how to manage your checkbook, manage your credit cards, manage your bank accounts, how to invest, where to invest. This should have been taught a long time ago. Now, just so you know, both of my kids were put on a budget at 18. The day they left for college, to get my money, they had to turn me in a budget every single month. So I believe I'm a big fan of accountability. We look at every level three's budget every month. Level one, we don't do it. Level two, we don't do it. Level three, we look at the P&L and the personal budget every single month. I look at Jeff's P&L and personal budget every month, and I coach him. And let me tell you, he looks fancy. He is fancy. He can spend a lot of money every month. Some of you would rival him for your dining out. How many of you dine out a lot? Raise your hand if it's once a week. Okay. I eat out in a restaurant probably every two or three months. I do not eat out. Why? It's a waste of money. It's a waste of money, and it's not good quality food. It's not healthy. So I do not eat out. I will get carry out. I'm getting killed on DoorDash. My wife will order me a $12 DoorDash dinner. It costs $40 to deliver it. I don't love that system. When I saw that bill, I'm changing from DoorDash to RickDash. That's my new program. RickDash. I'm going out and getting it. We are not DoorDashing because it's a waste of money. I am super-duper frugal. Super frugal. Now, just so you know, the haves take care of the have-nots. The government does not take care of the have-nots. It takes care of the have-nots. The haves. So we're going to work on your charity. If you want to make big, big money, it starts with your charity. Very important. It's an old-fashioned saying that what you you sow, you reap. What you give is gain. And listen, I didn't learn it till about... I think I got charitable about 12 years ago, and I've blown up. You'll see tomorrow, this group is so charitable, my members. Last year, we gave away $26 million between 500 members. 500 members gave away $26 million. It's unheard of when organizations hear how small we are and how much money we give away. But their wealth is accumulating at a rapid, rapid rate. So we're going to go through your banks, your credit cards. Uh, Some stories. We'll talk with Jeff with do some Q&A and we'll teach you the proper way to manage your money. And I will tell you right now, all of you are doing it wrong. Like I never meet anybody in a room. They all have some good tactics, some good things they're doing. But if there's 15 things that I'm going to teach you, you might be doing three or five or seven. We teach this class. I want you all to teach this class to all your members, all your clients. So one of the things after you master this program, if you come with me, we look at your budget for a long time, you get in a really good space, I want you going to start teaching wealth workshops where you invite your clients every two months, Everybody, they're closed, a letter that says this, I got you into debt, I'm going to help you get you out of debt. And you're going to invite them, you're going to have pop, you're going to have cookies, and you're going to teach this budget. You say, listen, I didn't invent it, I'm in a program, he looks at my budget every month, I want to help you get out of debt. And I want you to start teaching your clients How to manage their money properly. Imagine if you got them into debt, and then you showed them how to manage this money properly and accumulate wealth and save money. It's amazing, amazing. I will show you a tool that we teach every client. What page is the wealth accumulator on? I don't think it's in this session. It's probably in another session. Find it for me. Well, I want to see. It is right here. I want you to go to page number two eighty-one. This is part of my mortgage presentation for thirty years. Page two eighty-one. I am going to want you to show this to every client every single time. This is my philosophy about wealth, 281. This is my 38 years. Uh, I made a million dollars the first year in 1995. I probably had a million the first time in probably 2000. I probably accumulated a million the first time in 2000. So I teach people how to get wealthy. So this wealth accumulator is a presentation tool that I want to start with. These are the four principles of wealth. This is a combination of Warren Buffett, what I've learned, what I've seen other people do. So these are the things I want you to start with. So when you sit down with a client to get away from the rate, which is right now sensitive, say, listen, you're going to meet with me. I'm going to give you an education about mortgages, but I want to teach you about wealth so that you can accumulate wealth. Does every client want to accumulate wealth? Yes. Do they know how? No. So here's how we're going to start. Step number one to accumulating wealth, you need to house three times what you make. Three times what you make. Real estate and stock market. Is there any other way? That's it. The only way to accumulate wealth. Now, what happens if you have one, not the other? Anybody have a lot of real estate in seven and eight and then lost it all in nine, ten, eleven? Because you had a lot of wealth in real estate, not a lot of cash. Cash is king. So my house in Arizona, I didn't foreclose it. I carried it, went back, made a lot of money on it, sold it. So people that get in trouble are over leveraged in real estate. It's a good thing, but it can be a bad thing. If so we want to own a house three times what you make, then after that, we might come back and get a second home. I do not like rental properties. Anybody own any rental properties? Cool. No rich people have rental properties. They have office buildings and apartment buildings. Individual door of a rental house, is not going to make you any money. It might be a five or six percent return. It's pennies. For the time you put into it, if you did one more loan, which would be better? One more stinking loan than a rental property. So a poor person's mentality is buy 10 properties, pay them off over 25 years, live on the payment. How many have heard that? That is not a good philosophy. Real estate is your personal home is the best piece of real estate you're ever going to have. You're going to take care of it. You're going to manage it. And we're going to move up a lot. Some of you probably need to move up when the market corrects a little bit in the next three months. will be buy by house. How much house can they afford? Three times. three times what they make. How many could, based on that formula, should be living in a bigger house? Cool. Most of us. So that's a big way to accumulate wealth is by your primary dream home. Primary dream home, three times what you make. Number two, you got to have some cash. So you got to have some reserves. 10 to 25 grand liquid at all times. My program only works when you guys at this level have at least 25 grand liquid. I keep 100 liquid all the time. Jeff keeps 100 liquid. All we have is 100 grand liquid. Everything else is where? Invested in the stock market. So listen, this is the key. you got to be in real estate. you got to be in the stock market if you're going to accumulate any wealth. Now, with fractional shares, how much can you buy stocks for? What's the minimum? Like 10 bucks. You can buy fractional shares in a minimal amount. So your kids need to learn about what? Stock market. I teach kids. I did a video two weeks ago where I was teaching a bunch of kids from bringing kids to work. And I was teaching them the values of money. And they are in better shape than you are because they know the little basics that there are. And there's only a couple basic rules about money. So we're going to learn this budgeting system. We're going to learn how to grow wealth. So we're going to buy a real estate. Three times what we make, we're going to live in it. At three to five years, you're going to be what? Moving up into a bigger house. Bigger house. Goes up in value. Now, you're not going to be over leveraged. at three times what you make. You'll always be able to pay for it. We're gonna have 25 to 100 grand reserves. If you make under half a million, 25 grand liquid is enough. It's plenty of money. Maybe 50. So you're gonna have some liquid money. Number three box is where? 401k. The greatest investment ever in the world is the 401k. Why? You get the money in without paying taxes on it and you get a tax deduction. So when you invest in the 401k, you're really saving about 30% right off the top because you're not paying taxes on that money. So we got to be in the 401k, which is invested where? In the 401k or in the stock market. So your 401k, your IRA, it's in the stock market. Then we want to be in the stock market. And you want funds and stocks. Big man, what's a fund? There's a mutual fund. There's an index fund. There's a managed money fund. There's a hedge fund. Stay away from the hedge fund. We want managed money. We want index funds. And we want mutual funds. And a poor man's investment is what? Mutual funds. How many of you have mutual funds? Raise your hand. They're a poor man's investment. They're loaded with fees. They cost a fortune to manage. Uh, how many of you know who Warren Buffett is? Let's not listen to quote Rick Ruby, because I'm pretty rich. He's really, really rich. The richest investor of all times says... All money should be where? S&P 500. S&P 500. So the S&P 500 is an index of mid-sized companies. And there's 500 companies in the S&P 500. 500 companies. So some go up, some go down. You get the average. Today the S&P was down 2.5%. S&P was up I know, but today is down like 25 or 3%. It's a bloodbath right now. It's ugly. And so it's down a lot. It's a bloodbath. Like when the market moves more than a quarter point a day, it's a volatile market. And right now it's been crazy market for a year and a half. And it's going to be an ugly market. Then it's going to bottom out. Then it's going to rally. After the stock market bottoms out, real estate will crash after that. It always happens every single time from the history of time. I'm a stats guy, not an emotional guy. I have next to no emotions. I have very passionate, but I don't have a lot of emotions. Money for most people is what? Emotional. Emotional. They got emotional feelings about it. Yes, I get mad when the stock market goes down, but I know I have to what? Buy more. Like in the next couple of days, we're going to make some big purchases in the stock market because it's on sale and it's at a very good rate. But I want to get, you can't time the market, but I want to get as close to it as possible. But he got a check today for my 1st of May's paycheck. He got my, my investment, my every month paycheck. So there's, we're going to learn the three ways to invest. Every month, dollar cost averaging. On a 5% dip, we buy a little bit on the dip, maybe 10 grand, maybe 50 grand, whatever you have extra, you're going to buy on the dip. And then when you get a big check, sell a property or get a big bonus check, you layer it in over three months, okay? So you're not timing the market. So those are the three ways that we're going to invest. So we're going to show our clients the wealth accumulator. How often? Every time. Every single time. Do you? Every time. For how long have you been showing this now?
0: Over a year. Over a year. Yeah. Every client. Every Does time. it get away from the rate? Yeah, absolutely. They- Why? Why? Because they, no one's telling them this stuff, and they and they're focused on what the value that we're bringing them, and not and not the not the rate.
1: Not the rate. It gets away from the rate. How many need tricks to get away from the rate? Cool, because it's rate conscious right now. This get you away from the rate. So you start out your presentation. Yes, I'm going to help you finance your house. Yes, we're going to talk about right now. I want to talk about wealth in general, how we are taught to accumulate wealth. So this form will go on your wall. We send it in blue and you frame it and you put it on your wall and you talk about it with every single client in every single presentation. I want this done every single time. You only make it wealth from real estate and the stock market. We're going to learn how to do both. We don't want you to get over leveraged, so we've got to have some stocks. Balance. Yes.
0: You said
1: they are very expensive? They are
0: very expensive. Is that okay or no?
1: I don't love them. It would be a third option.
0: Yes. So if you're talking to a client and, or a general like they, the qualifications, they don't have these things.
1: You're teaching them to have these things. They say, listen, I'm getting you into your first house, Adam. But this is the process that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to build some reserves. Do you agree? What happens if you don't have reserves? Are you going to get in trouble? The washer's going to blow. You're going to have to fly to your Aunt Mary's funeral. You're going to get in trouble. We've got to have some reserves. So right now, we're using most of your money. So I want you to make a commitment to build your reserves back. Got it? Okay. Cool. Now listen, we're light in your 401k. We want to max the 401k because it saves a third from the tax benefits. It's like making a big return right out of the gate. Do you agree a 401k is important? And you agree we need to have some exposure to the stock market. Well, with fractional shares, you could buy 10 stocks, $10 each. Where in the old days, you couldn't buy a $3,500 share Amazon. You don't make that much money. But you could buy $50 worth of Amazon. Does that make sense? So now that they've allowed fractional shares. Do you all understand fractional shares? It's where through Robinhood, Fidelity, Charles Schwab allows you to buy fractional shares. E-Trade does not. uh, Does Wells? Wells allows it. Does Merrill? Okay, so fractional shares is where you're putting in $1,000, 10 stocks, $100 each. You understand fractional shares? Good. So this is the starting point of a presentation is the wealth accumulator. Now, I want you to, in twos right now, go through it right now with a client. Pair up in twos. One is the borrower. One is the lender. Do the quick two-minute presentation. back. So listen, there's a light, there's a light two to five minute overview and there's a 20 minute in depth. So the more time you can spend on this with the clients, the better, but it has to be at least a two to five minute overview. But as the client is showing interest, we want to go in depth with it. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, if I was making a 30 minute pre-app, I would spend 15 minutes on this is where I would spend the majority of my time. This is where the time is meant that separates you from what? Otherwise, it's just send me the rate, text me the rate, text me the cost. This is the sales tool. I never do any class that I don't do some sales training. This is the money sales technique. Now, Chris is a pretty big loan rep, 25 deals a month in Oklahoma, right? Is that where you are? Oklahoma. 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 Wow. Okay. So from Oklahoma. Yes.
0: Um, so the three times is what they make in real estate. Sometimes we have borrowers that are really pushing this. But are
1: beyond- California, it's five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're in trouble. Every borrower in California that borrows it four to five times is in trouble. It's over-leveraging. This is safe. Anything more than that is aggressive. And you tell them you're buying it four and a half times what you're making. You're borrowing four and a half times what you make. It's what? It's aggressive. Long as you're aware of the risk. If you're buying, borrowing more than three times what you make, box two is very, very important. You understand?
0: Yes. Yeah. They won't have
1: money to do that. Trickles. I like it at three times. I don't like California business. Why? You got to be five times to qualify. How many of you are from California? You got to be five times what you make in California to buy a house right now. It's scary. They're way over leveraging. They will have the most trouble in a down market. California, Scottsdale, Florida, Chicago. Those will be the four markets that crash the fastest. Why? People were what? Over leveraged. So when the market crashes and they can't make their bills, they walk. So Scottsdale crashed last time in 08. Florida crashed. Michigan, Chicago, Florida. Those places crashed 60 70% in real estate values because those people had no what? Cash. If they would have had reserves, what would have happened? They'd have been okay. They could have carried it. So this is a big big box too. If you're over buying in box three, you need to tell them you're over buying. Box two is mandatory. I know you want to put 30% down, but we're not going to. We're going to put 20 or 10% down. We're going to have more reserves. I do not want you losing this house. These are the things that have separated me from 38 years from all my competition. I've never had good rates in my whole life. I always believe in being special, that it's an experience. In business, you're either a commodity, an experience, or a subscription. The core is an experience and a subscription so it's a very good business model. Mortgages is just a what? Wrong. You're weak. It's a what? Service? It's no. Rocket is it's got the best service. We are an experience. What are we? You got to learn that you are an experience. An experience is what's the price for an experience? It's priceless. So if you're a commodity and you're a mortgage and you're a rate and fee You ain't going to make any really good money. You ain't going to make one and a quarter, which is what I require all the lenders to make. You're not going to make 40 points at your branch. How many are producing branch managers? Cool. So you need to be 125 in commission, 40 points in profit. That's the bar where you need to be at. You just set up all your margins and everything is set up to generate those numbers. I spend 70 points in my office. I try to triple net 110. That's after product differences, commission, uh, subsidies, EPOs. I try to net 110, spend 70. Nets me 40 points. That's what I try to net. I'm probably the best branch manager you will meet. I make a ton of money. I teach a lot of companies. I do a lot of traveling with a lot of companies where they pay me a ton of money to coach their branch managers how to run a P&L. Because if you're going to be on a P&L, you've got to learn how to be on a P&L. So that's my thoughts about that. This is a tool that I want you to learn to separate yourself from your competition. How many can practice this make a commitment to start using this? You use it how often?
0: Every, every time. Every
1: time. For how every long time? now?
0: A year. And it took you a long time to get started with it. Why? It did. Because I was slow to learn on it. And and uh, it's unbelievable the reaction from first-time home buyers in particular on this, knowing that this the first phase is about to be done. They're about to hit quad number one, and you're the, you're the piece of that.
1: Powerful. Now it's a what? What do we want to be? I know we want to be an experience, but what do we want to be called from the borrower? Trusted advisor. Write down, I'm going to become their trusted advisor. Trusted advisor. Jeff wants to be my trusted advisor. Not just on my money when I buy a house. Everything I do, I talk to Jeff. Everything Jeff does. Rick, should I buy this house? Should I buy this boat? What do you think about this? We are each other's trusted advisor at this point in our relationship. You want to be the trusted advisor. Showing them about your wealth makes you the trusted advisor. So, first thing I want to do. Everybody wants to take part of my process. And if you're in level three, if you get in, you cannot take part of my process. It has to be exact. exact. Like Kevin's getting hammered tomorrow for saying he's making his Wednesday calls on Tuesday. I'm hammering his ass.
0: (laughs) I was freaking out when he said that.
1: And I got up and recorrected it, didn't I? And he will get hammered in the coaches meeting tomorrow. All of them did a great job. He's the only one that buried my program. There is no variance in my program. You knew that already, Bobby. You must have friends that know me. You must have friends in my program. Because I'm telling you, I have zero variance for how I want this business. I want every loan rep unified, every realtor unified, every script the same, every team the same, every team paid the same way. That's the way the core is. The core is not a buffet restaurant. Here's how the core works. I open your mouth, I cram down my tactics, and you poop out piles of cash. That's what the core is about. Be clear. Exactly how I want it. His white glove service is exactly how I want to be treated, and I make him do it with every single client. I have a zero tolerance for variance. I believe in soldiers that follow a process based on other people that are better than them, and they do it exactly. Not kind of, exactly. But they always want to come in and change a form or do something different. Kevin literally is going to get hammered. Three coaches came up and said, you're hammering Kevin tomorrow. First thing, 7 a.m., I'm going to beat him to death for saying that to my people. Gave you permission to change something, and it's just not how I am. So this process is exact. So, five years ago you came here. Were you good with money or bad with money when you started? Uh, bad. And how much money did you have in the bank? four sixty five so you had four hundred and sixty five grand, which is pretty good. Yeah. It wasn't horrible. So what's it been like getting on this system, getting your wife on this process? What's it been
0: like that transition? i tell you it's the biggest it's the biggest game changer uh, from a financial perspective that my family will ever go through. and, and I'll just say it's been unbelievable. Uh, five years of of learning the tactics, learning the tools. And I'll just say this, who's, who's, who else is broken, hates it, and wants to fix it from a financial perspective? I think that's the key. He's teaching me to hate it. I don't hate it yet. I'm working on that. But I'm, I am broken. I, hate, I want to hate it, and I want it fixed. Okay? And I'll just say what he's provided from a tactical perspective over the last five years will change my family's legacy uh, for generations to come. And and for that I'm grateful. And for that, for you guys, take all the notes that you can. How your After. wife adapt to it? My my wife that that was the piece that she was great on it. But I was in, I I was a dictator on it. And that's one of the things that the personal budget learned that taught me. And Chad Lubin who really poured into me on personal budget. Uh, that's the biggest change that we made. I was a dictator on it. I tried to control it. She's super trustworthy, but I wanted to run it. And the first thing that he did, is he, the tactic that he made a change of is when you do your budget every single month, which you will do, you are doing it with Megan. You're going to go over the numbers, the income, the bills, the savings, the, the gifting, and you're going to do it together. You're going to have goals together, and it's going to be a partnership and not a dictatorship.
1: I think it's a very important part. One person in the family is a CFO. One person controls the money. It doesn't matter if you're deciding the system you're going to follow and she's going to implement it or you're going to implement and be part of it. But this is a partnership with your partner. Now, listen, in every family, there's a spender and a saver. Raise your hand if you agree with that. There's a spender and a saver in every family. I probably wouldn't let the spender be the CFO of the family. It's probably not a good idea. But I have a lot of spouses that run the system. But then they sit down with the partner and they talk about it, what the numbers were, what the checks were, what the bills were. So it's been a five-year process. Go to page 263. We'll jump into his budget and my budget. Two sixty-three. All right. So we're looking at Chris Stokes' budget. If you go down to the bottom left, you see his cash net worth is one point seven million. It was four fifty. So in five years, he went from four hundred and fifty thousand to the bank. And you're how old?
0: Forty-nine.
1: So it took him till forty-four from eighteen. So it took him twenty-eight years to get four hundred, and now in five years, he's gone to one point seven million. Now remember, you got to get to five million. Five million will give you how much retirement? Two fifty a year. You'll get about five percent in a good, in a normal market, pretty safe. So five million dollar retirement will give you twenty thousand a month. Raise your hand if you can live on that. I used to teach three million a month, but that's a mobile home, a beat up Honda Accord. It's not a very good retirement. Okay. So we want to get to five million from where you're at. So I want you to write down your cash net worth on the bottom of Christmas budget where you're at right now. Stocks, bonds, mutuals, cash in the bank. Stocks, bonds, mutuals, 401k, cash in the bank. Write it down on the bottom of the budget. Next to that, any credit card debt you have, write that next to that. Put a slash and then put the credit card next to that so you can remember where you're starting at. So here's what you have. Here's what you have in debt. Now, I think that that's a day of reckoning. I did it 35 years ago with a guy, and Chris did it with me, and... Five years. We look at your budget every month. Is it complicated or simple? Super simple. Super simple. Got a nice house? Yes, sir. Got a nice house. Got no credit card debt. Got one auto loan still. Minimal bills. His survival number, go to the second column, is how much? 12 grand a month. A lot of you need more than 12 grand a month to live. How many of you think your monthly overhead is more than 12 grand a month? Raise your hand. More than 12 grand a month. That's a lot of people in the room probably not making what Chris is making. So we believe in low overhead creates options. So what's going to happen is when I get clients, their overhead grows. And then later on, it starts to what? Go down, go down, go down, go down. So we want to have the lowest possible overhead we can to create this opportunity to save and invest. So this is his budget. Let's look at the form. Column one is what? The name of the bills. Column two, minimum owed. Here's the minimum on the house payment, minimum on the car payment, minimum on the credit cards. These are his minimum owed. Column three, total paid. Column five, total checks. So you see, in the month of February this year, Chris made 68000 after taxes. So how much did he really make? About one hundred thirty. So he makes really good money, doesn't he? Really good earner in Oklahoma. People actually can make really good money that aren't like cattle ranchers in Oklahoma. So he makes really good money. When you started five years ago, you made how much?
0: I made uh, seven or uh, three seventy-seven.
1: Three seventy-seven. Now he makes a million five. So five years, he's five hundred times his income. That's serious growth. That's why he's on my team. He's been a great student. He's moved up the ladder. He's always fun to coach. He's super obedient. He does a really good job. So this is his budget. So. um... Column four is the amount saved. You see this month he saved 47,068. So go down below on the left. What's his percent saved? 69% of his net check. 69% of his net check. He's going nowhere but what? How wealthy will he be if he stays 10 or 15 more years in the business? Very, very, very wealthy. Time is the greatest thing because time leads to what's called compounding. That's where your money grows and grows and grows and grows in spite of you. So this is his budget. Let's go to the bottom. How much liquid money does he have? 127. So how much should he have? 37. Three times your number two. So write down three times your number two is what you got to have in the bank minimum. So I'm going to want Chris to put 50000 of this money in the market next week. What are you going
0: to do? It's going to Jeff.
1: 50000 send sent in to his financial yep. planner because the market's really low and we'll probably have another couple of days. But probably Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be buying. I mean, you can't time it exactly, but it's been freed up, up. I mean, last month it was down 10%. It's down 3% today. Jeff said we probably had another 5% drop. You're probably pretty close. Maybe 7 The VIX. The VIX is the key. To the fear index. Okay, And it's that... Thirty one? Thirty three we need to go to thirty eight. Okay. So it could still bottom out a little more. So it's not done yet. I don't know what the VIX means, but it sounds really good. So that's how I feel about it, okay? <laughs> I know that I don't like it when my money goes down, I like it when my money goes up. So Chris, any other thoughts on the budget for you?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of key pieces that I struggled with that I'd love to just yeah, pass go ahead. along. For for me, one of the things that a couple of things that Chad helped fix uh, when we were going through it was number one on the credit card piece. Okay, so when you're setting your budget for May one for May, you're paying April's credit card. Correct? That is a variable piece that I was we were overspending on and we didn't have control on. Okay, we didn't have a big debt balance, but it was out of control. Okay, and so what Chad said is, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to set a goal on it. So the, the goal for the month is seven grand. And then we're going to, every Sunday, you're going to touch in with each other, my wife and I, for two minutes, look at the credit card balance and making sure we're tracking for that month. Okay? Makes sense? Your, health, your mortgage is already set. Your mortgage is consistent. Your Everything else it's is It's the consistent. credit card spending that it's gets out of It's the credit card. Absolutely. And so that was a big piece for us. It's still a struggle. Ben Lemon and I are working through it right now as he's my coach. Just making sure we're staying consistent on that so that we can save more and get it Remember,
1: all these coaches are still on coaching calls twice a month. Yep. They're still getting everything looked
0: at. Still getting Six hammered. Points. Still getting hammered. Uh, The the last piece is I'd say this, is that when I was planning May 1's budget, I was using my potential earnings in May, okay? If I got fired that day, would I have potential earnings in May? No. No, I was borrowing from my savings to pay my budget every month, okay? Chad said, stop right there. You're going to pay for one month. You're going to hold back your income. You're going to use your emergency fund to pay for your bills, okay? Owned two houses at the time, which I shouldn't have. Uh, We got rid of that one. I held on. We paid the bills. And now the rudder is going right because I'm using April's budget, April's income to pay May's budget. Does that make sense? Cool. We're
1: going to jump in. I need you to get a clean piece of paper. And we're going to learn some basic rules of money management. We're going to start with banks. Banks, B-A-N-K. You're allowed one bank. You're allowed two or three accounts. How many have more than one bank? Raise your hand. You're going to cancel them next week. You're allowed one bank. You do not need five toasters. One toaster is enough, okay? One bank, two or three accounts. You're going to have a checking account. You're going to have a money market account. Those are the two minimum. If you want to add a savings account, I will show you how to add a savings account. So you're going to have two accounts at one bank. The money market account is for what? The float, your reserves. You're up to your 25 or your 50 or 100 grand. goes in a money market account. It's a limited checking account. We don't because we don't make any interest in the bank. It's a limited checking account. Write about six checks a month is what you can write out of money market. And then you're going to have a checking account. Now, what is the purpose of a checking account, Rich? No, it's to save money. You don't think your checking account's to save money? Let me show you. How many of you have money in your checking account right now? Raise your hands. They all think it's to what? Save money. What's the purpose of the checking account? Pay the bills. Exactly. But you're using it as a What? A savings account. It's not a savings account. So listen, you pay your bills once a month and you leave $50 in the checking account. That's it. Everything else has to come out. Because if it's in the checking account, what do you have the right to do? Spend it. So no money in your checking account. Now, if you want to pay your groceries on your checking, how many like to pay groceries with a check? Okay, there's one still that does it. It's really not really happens anymore. So you're going to leave no money in the checking account. You've paid all your bills. Listen, it's May. I'm going to take all my May paychecks and set them aside. I'm going to take all my May bills. And then June 1st, I will pay all my bills. I've used my credit card for what purpose all month? Groceries, gas, dinner out, spending money. I see people using credit cards for like $3 charges now. So we're using the credit card for everything because it does your what? Does your accounting for you. So banks, one bank, two accounts, checking account leaves how much balance? 50 bucks. Money market account, your float. Anywhere from 10 grand to 100 grand, whatever your budget is, time three minimum, up to 100 grand liquid. Bank questions? It's complicated. One bank, two accounts. Checking account pays your bills. $50 balance after you've paid all your bills. Money market has your float. No questions on banks. Number two, credit card. Write down credit card. This is a wallet, men. Men, do you see this? This is a wallet. Okay, has a driver's license, has an ATM card, has two credit cards. So you get an ATM card and two credit cards. That's what that is. One ATM card, two credit cards. Got it? How many have more than two credit cards? Raise your hand. Cancel them all. Two credit cards. That's it. One for business, one for personal. Your wife is only, your spouse is only on the what? Personal account. So the personal account has two names on it, the business account has one name on it. How easy are my taxes to do? Simple. And in my 12 business credit cards. Do I ever use my business credit card for personal spending? No. Never. Ever, ever. So we carry two cards. They have to have zero balance. So if you have credit card balance now, and just so you know, when Jeremy Forcier hired me, he had 700 grand in credit card debt. Many. Jay Fletch. $400,000 in credit card debt. I, got, I take on some extreme people that have extreme systems. So, major credit card debt. So, if you have credit card debt, don't worry about it. I'll get it all paid off in time. We'll get it paid off. It takes about two years to pay up all your credit card debt. So, if you have credit card balances, how many of you currently have balances on credit card? And you've got debt? Okay, you got some debt. So, those cards get set aside. What do they get? Cut the cards. Set those aside because we got to pay them off. We're going to open two new cards with zero balances. My system requires two credit cards that get paid off. You use, you pay off. You use, you pay off. Raise your hand if you agree with that. What's the cost of interest on that? Zero. Zero. Who does the accounting? Free accounting. Business card, personal card, two credit cards. Max limit seventy five hundred. How many have a limit more than seventy five hundred? I do not. Huh. Twice a year, I go shopping, and what do they say? Declined. Yeah. I'm up in the north with my two pair of shoes and my four shirts and my three. And I, okay. <laughs> that needs to happen you all more often. Why? Okay. I am then afraid to shop for about 30 days. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't order dinner. Don't get gas. How many have had a credit card decline on a purchase? I bet it has happened more to me than any of you. Because a seventy five hundred limit, I travel a lot. I do a lot of stuff. I can go through that money really quickly. So seventy five hundred is the max limit. So your black card, seventy five what I know my cards are blue, I don't know why they're blue, I guess they're special, but it's like seventy five hundred limit on my credit cards. I cannot get in too much trouble. Does that make sense? So questions about credit cards. Yes.
0: What do you do what do you do if you want to buy a ten thousand dollar couch?
1: Uh, find a $6,900
0: couch. <laughs> or use your money
1: market account. What's the purpose of the money market account? Big purchases. Big purchases. It's a float account. So what will the money market account do? Go up and down. Mine will go as high as 300 when I'm waiting to invest. Maybe down to 60 is about the lowest it ever goes. So you understand it. But I am serious. There's no such thing as a $10,000 couch. Are you clear? Listen. Sometimes we buy stuff because we think because we make a lot of money that we make a lot of money. We should have this kind of stuff. Do you understand it? Like I'm building a new house right now and I have a decorator and I told her we're going to rooms to go. That's where we're going to buy all my furniture. Okay? and she's like, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Okay? we are going to buy realistic furniture. I'm like, if you bring me super high end $10,000 couches, I am firing you. I want practical, comfortable, good looking furniture. It wears out. What do we not want to put our money into? Things that go down in value or things that go up in value? Down. We want to put our money in things that go up in value. We do not want to put our money in things that go down in value. Cars are a what? Depreciating asset. I collect old cars. Why? They are appreciating assets. Most good watches will what? I was given a Rolex in the 80s when I worked for Flagstar Bank. Any of you come up through Flagstar Bank? I was the number one salesman nationwide. Tom Hammond is my idol. If you talk to Mr. Hammond right now, guess what he will tell you was the greatest loan rep he ever had. He will tell you me because many of my guys have met him and he said, you work for Rick Ruby. He was the greatest. I dominated Flagstar for many, many years before I went on my own. And I'm telling you, he gave me a two-tone Rolex for being the top salesman one year. That Rolex is worth more money today than it was when he bought it for me. So some watches will appreciate, old cars will appreciate, but most of the things you're buying are what? Depreciating assets. It's a waste of money and a waste of time. Cars are the stupidest thing you can ever, ever buy. So I'll teach you about cars in a minute. Any other questions about credit cards? Two credit cards, 7,500 limit. If you have balances, put them aside. Open two new cards with zero balance. One is personal, one is business. Never use the business card for personal. Never use the personal for business. You hand your 12 business credit card statements to your accountant. He'll tell you what you can deduct and what not deduct. Simple, easy, clean. Okay, let's talk about cars. Cars, I want them two years old, sold at five years old. When do I want them? Two years old. Sold at five years old. That's how we're doing cars. You like a Mercedes, you can drive a Mercedes, you can drive a Lexus, you can drive a Range Rover, you can drive a Cadillac, you can drive a Lincoln. I want you to have a nice car. But now, right now, that philosophy is not working. Why, Paul? but it's over in a couple of months. So in a couple of months, we'll be back where you can buy a used car, two years old, 30% off retail price, sell it at five years and not lose a fortune. So we're going to buy them two years old. Yes. Well, my wife will not drive a used car. So my wife has to keep her car seven years. So if you want a brand new car, brand spanking new, and that's like my wife says, Rick, I don't ask for much. I want a brand new car then that brand new car has to be driven seven years so I don't lose my shirt on it. Does that make sense? So if you've got to have a brand new car, that's important to you, seven years is the timeline. You want to buy a two-year-old car, you get to sell it when? Five. Three years. So you got to sell it at five years old, but you've had it three years. Does that make sense? You don't want them too many miles on and they start breaking down, but you can buy a 2 years old car with 25,000, 30,000 miles, drive it till they have 100,000 miles. That's the right way to do cars. So we talked about banks, talked about credit cards, talked about cars. Yes about leasing a car? Well, I think that leasing a car gets you more car for the money, and you're always getting a new car, and sometimes it works out. Like, I was with Jeff the other day to go to the game, and I see why he leases a car. He crossed over into the express line and rode right over the bumpy things, okay? Like, right through the sticks (laughs) coming up. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, there's no problem, it's a lease car. So I guess that's why... If you want to abuse your vehicle, I guess the lease car would qualify. Then I got out and looked at his fancy expedition. There are marks on all four corners, okay? He's definitely not a good driver. I'm not riding with him ever again. It was a terror ride, okay? We got there on time. We did get there on time, but we literally went across four lanes of traffic. I'm talking about the sticks that separate the speed line. He rode right over four or five of them. He says it's meant to do that. I said it's not meant to do that. <laughs> Psycho, but that's why he does so well. You want to do really well, you got to be a little psycho. So, that's my thought on cars, banks, credit cards. I want to talk about life insurance. It's a big problem. Any questions about cars? Yes. Yes? Always take a loan. We never pay cash for anything. We finance everything in my program. So, you finance a car and you pay it off. I want that 50 grand where, Molly? In the market growing. So, you buy the car and you accelerate the debt. You finance it 100% finance. If the payment's 500 a month, you pay 800 a month. You understand we accelerate payoff? That's a good question. Any other question about cars or financing them? Yes. A what? Well, we're financing every car. So, accelerate the debt? Yes. Yes. So, every debt you have, except your mortgage, how many of you are over 50? You're going to pay extra on your mortgages. Everybody else is not going to pay extra on their mortgages. Over 50, the dream is to get a 60 year old free and clear house. So over 50, you're prepaying on your house. Under 50, you're accelerating all debt. Credit cards, zero line of interest, student loans, any home equity loans, you're accelerating debt because we all want to be what? Debt free. I'm debt free. We want to end up debt free between 55 and 60. I'm 61. I paid my house off on my 55th birthday. So, but up till then, I leveraged everything. So we're going to use the debt, whether whatever rate it is, and accelerate it off to pay the minimal amount of debt. It's like these credit cards that have balances. We're going to chunk them. We're going to start paying them down till we get them paid off. So we talked about cars. We talked about banks. We talked about credit cards. Nothing complicated. I want to talk about insurance. It's the biggest scam in the financial planning world. Does anybody here have permanent life, whole life, or variable life insurance? Raise your hand if you have that. You have been totally ripped off. That is the biggest rip-off in the world. There's two reasons to have insurance. What are they? Protect your family, protect your assets. Why do I have insurance? I have fifty million dollars in twenty-year term life. It costs three hundred grand a year for fifty million in term life. Now, I'm 61 and I'm crazy. The odds of me living to 81 are pretty rare, okay? I'm figuring hopefully in the 70s, maybe somebody put me to sleep to cash in on the life insurance before it happens. I don't know. But I'm telling you this. Whole life, permanent life, variable life is a ripoff. There is no insurance that's an investment. They lied to you. They told you. You heard? How many of you heard you can get the money out tax-free? Raise your hand. Cool. How you do that is you have to borrow against the balance. You can never get the money out of the account until death. And when you die, it pays the death benefit, not the cash benefit. So it pays the death benefit. The cash value is not very high. So cancel your permanent life insurance. Find out the surrender charge and the cash value. If it's close, cash it in. Put the money in the S&P 500. There's investing and there's insurance. Are they the same or different? Different. 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 Questions about insurance? Cool. You need five times your income to protect your family until you have three million. Then you need no insurance. Five times each spouse's income in insurance until you have three to five million in the bank to protect two, spouse, kids. We don't want to leave them where they want to get rid of you. We want to leave them okay. So yes, Paul.
0: What about uh, insurance to help offset the tax?
1: No, no, no. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So. This is the basic reason for life insurance for most of you is to protect your family. You don't have $5 million yet. You understand? So you don't have enough money to leave the surviving spouse okay. So we're going to get 30-year term insurance. What are we going to get? 30 30-year term insurance. And every five years, what are we going to do? Renew it until we are 49 and a half and get our final 30-year policy, which will make you insured until when? 89 30 year term, we don't need any insurance on the kids, no insurance on your children. Now, if you only have one working spouse, you only need insurance on that spouse. So, insurance is a tool to protect your family. Clear? Questions about insurance? We're going to. T- you don't need any. And then, when you have over five, you need more. Why? Death tax. So, the government allows you right now, under the current administration, to protect $5 million estate tax free. What? 12. Twelve. But it's going to 5. It's going to 5 and 26. Okay, it's going to 5. So uh, let's just look at 5. So it's always been 5. Trump raised it to 12. It's going back to 5. It's already set to go back to that. So you can protect 5 million. Everything over 5 million in net worth. This is the value of your cars, your houses, your bank accounts, your business everything they're going to if you're a producing branch manager they're going to put a value on your business when you die it's ridiculous if you're a realtor they're going to put a value on your business which really doesn't have a value so everything over five million you have to have taxes for 45, I have a giant estate. I'm worth about $125 million. Most in cash, some in real estate, and the rest in the value of my coaching business, which has a value because it's a subscription business. That's why it has a what, Adam? A value. Because my clients are two year subscription and we always make a lot of money. So it has a book value of around five times net earnings. That's the value of my businesses. None of you have a business that's valuable. If you own a mortgage company, mortgage companies are worth one times earnings. They're worth no money. Why? No. Salespeople could all leave. There's nothing there stuck there. Does that make sense? No subscription, no nothing. So mortgage companies have no value. Any of you own a mortgage company? Brokerage, you own a mortgage company? A couple of you, okay, good. They have no value, so we want to cash cow them. What do we want to do? It's David, right? Cash cow it. What does that mean? Draw all the money out that you can draw out. Don't build a war chest. Cash cow that business. So when you have over $5 million, you need estate tax. I had $20 million, then I went to $40 million. Now I got As my estate keeps growing, I need more what? State tax. So you can get a 20-year term policy up till you're 65 years old. So I'm 61. I just got another $20 million 20-year 20 term policy. So imagine, 300 grand a year for 20 years is how much money? What am I paying for my insurance? Six million. You're supposed to be a math person, okay? You're, this is the lender room. The realtor room is tomorrow. This is math like this. Bam, 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 okay? You're new to the lending room, okay? So I will pay six million for my all the way would be six million, and it will pay fifty million. Is that a pretty good investment? Works out pretty good. Now, what will the money go to? I owe right now about sixty million in estate tax, so I'm setting up a forty million dollar charitable trust to eliminate some taxes. I'll still have forty million, and then my estate is going to keep growing. So, um, I'm telling you, if you're over five or ten million, Paul, you'll need estate, you need insurance for the estate tax. Does that make sense? So, because you don't want to leave your kids this money, and they have to give up forty-five percent of it. Yes. What? It doesn't eliminate the estate tax. The only thing that eliminates the estate tax is a charitable trust. And when you put it in a charitable trust, you've lost the money. It's gone. You no longer own it. You cannot get it. So my regular trust, I can get the money. My charitable trust, whatever I put in that charitable trust is what? Gone. Gone. I can never use it. I can never get it. I can't get any of it. Does that make sense? So, you don't want to put money into a charitable trust till you have over $20 million. Yes? At what point do you put,
0: put things into a trust? At what point what? Do you put your belongings into
1: a trust. Married? House? You need a trust. We'll talk about that next.
0: Yeah, so I just defined it when I
1: have an estate issue, then I no. need a trust. No. Do you own a home? Yeah. Do you have kids? Do you want the judge to decide to get to the kids, or do you want to decide who gets to the kids? You want to decide who gets the kids, or you want the judge to decide? So listen, if you have a will, it has to go through probate. Probate can take two years. Anybody struggle with probate, trying to liquidate an estate? It can take two years in probate, and the judge decides. And everything in a will is the judge has to approve or can deny. So if one of your relatives makes a claim on your kids, the judge can decide. He's better than what you wanted. Does that make sense? So that guy gave you bad advice. So if you own a home and you have kids, you must Have a trust. Trust costs between 800 and 10 grand a year. Mine lands on the 10 grand side. Okay? So, we're gonna get a trust. And there's two types of trusts. There's irrevocable and revocable. Your irrevocable is where your life insurance goes. Irrevocable trust is only for life insurance. Irrevocable means what? Can never be changed or altered, but it's not part of your state. And then there's a revocable trust. It is taxable, but protected against lawsuits. Okay, so you're going to put all your assets in the trust name. Now you can't put your house in the trust until it's free and clear. So what later on, all your properties, everything will be in the trust. Because when you have a mortgage, the mortgage is the first lien holder. The trust can't be on the mortgage. Yes.
0: So like we do loans where a lot of clients have trust. Yes. They're not they're not revocable trust. They're Irrevocable trust?
1: Depends what kind of trust they have. If they're irrevocable, they would, they would not have any money in an irrevocable trust. There's irrevocable, revocable, dynasty, charitable. There's lots of different kind of trusts. We're just talking about a family trust. Okay. Got it? So just saying because you said the mortgage has the house has to be paid off. Yes. Irrevocable trust. Yes. Okay. So if we want to put our house in a trust. You cannot until it's free and clear. Now you can put it in there, but the mortgage company won't recognize the trust. Right. You can put the mortgage in the trust name, but the mortgage company will not recognize the trust. So it's not protected against you. Your name personally on that mortgage when you got that mortgage. Yeah. So that house is liable. So even if you put the mortgage property into the trust, it's not protected. Does that make sense? Because you bought it personally. Does that make sense? Until it's and clear. So we talked about trusts, we talked about cars, we talked about banks, we talked about credit cards. We covered a lot of stuff. Really simple. Anything complicated? Nothing complicated. So I'll tell you how I learned this. I'm a mortgage man in the 80s. I'm doing really well. I leave Flagstar 88, 89. I open a brokerage shop. Brokerage is really hot. I'm doing really good. I'm making like one and a quarter, 175. And back in the 80s, that was what. Well. I'm talking about crocodile shoes, green suits. I mean, Buick Riviera with a land out top. I was smoking in today. I had the phone with the antenna up on top of the car. I was slamming. Okay, I was going. And I'm making a lot of money, but I didn't learn anything about money. And there was a guy in my building named Bill Wortley, and he was one of my first mentors. And Bill was like, he was a financial planner, but he wasn't like Jeff. He was kind of a hobo financial planner. Like he had a junky office, not good furniture, uh, junky car. I think he drove like a Caprice Classic. I mean, it was a horrible car. And he had junky suits that didn't fit him properly, like some of you in here, okay? Just didn't really look like an outright professional, okay? So, and I'm hanging out with Bill, and we're becoming friends. And just so you know, I'm a bully. Right now, I'm a professional bully, but I've been a bully my whole life. So I'm a professional bully. All coaches are bullies. You bully people into doing it the way you want to do it. And it hopefully has some good things to it. So I've been a bully my whole life. I'm picking on Bill. And finally, he asked me, he says, you look like you make a lot of money. How are you doing? I said, well, buddy, I made like 165000 last year. He says, how much you got in the bank? I'm like, I don't really know my wife manages the money how many of you you're unaware of your family's finances raise your hand if you're not aware of your family finances so you're all aware right you're not aware so you have to be aware of your family's finances like chris said it's a partnership so he says go home have your wife write down all your debt and all your bank accounts come back seeing around so i come back the next day i got a piece of legal pad here's my debt 72 grand here's my assets 77 grand i'm feeling really good why i'm in the what <laughs> I'm in the black. I'm in the green. I'm feeling really good. And so we're talking. I didn't even know I had that much credit card debt at the time. It was just, I just bought stuff, bought stuff, bought stuff. There was no accounting, no budgeting, no nothing. So he starts showing me stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think you know shit. And all but did we take that bl- blank out that word? Okay. So all of a sudden he takes a piece of paper and he slides it to me. And it's his statement. And he had 6.3 million in the bank. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're a real deal. So instantly, when I see somebody better than me, here's my rules. Yes, sir, you're the boss. What do I do? I went from picking on that guy to following that guy, idolizing that guy, asking that guy questions nonstop. It's 6.3 million. I'll never forget it, how much money he had. It was all the money in the world in the 80s. I'm like, you gotta teach me how to do it. He said, well, I'm gonna teach you this budget. You're gonna be on it every month, and there's laws. I said, rules or laws? He said, laws. Law number one. Law number one. 20% of your net paycheck every month, no matter what. 20% of column five every month. Last month, Chris was 69% saved. He's honoring the law. This is not a rule. This is a law. 20% of your net paycheck every month saved. Every single month we save 20% for 30 years. And he said, go away. I said, what do you mean go away? He said, that's it. He said, everything else is a good idea. This is the law. You save 20% for 30 years. I just hit my 37th year of saving 20% every single month for 37 years. Now listen, I'm a high school dropout. I'm tough and I'm a good salesman, but I have had great mentors and great coaches. Any of you ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Raise your hand if you read that book. Cool. Guess who I went and found? The rich dad. His name is Keith Cunningham. That was the dad in the book. I pursued him. I flew to Austin, Texas. I paid him four grand a month for three years to talk to me for an hour. I learned a ton from him. He had 60 million. He lost it all. Then he built it back to 50 million. That was my number until I what? Crushed him. Then I'm looking for a new guy to crush. I'm always looking for the next guy to what? His job is to crush me. Your job is to crush him. Get there faster than he got there. Be a better student than he was. Get there. He got to a million five in five years. Get there in three years. It's about crushing those coaches. Jeff constantly is trying to pass me an income and bank balance. Constantly. He don't talk about it, but I know that's his top secret goal is to crush me. Okay? <laughs> and listen, he's making big money right now. He's catching me. My income's getting hurt in the mortgage business, and he's booming right now. And he's catching me. He ain't going to pass me. Now, maybe when I'm gone, he'll pass me after I'm gone, but I am not going to let my student pass me. Oleg has broke every record I ever set. Oleg made a million dollars at 29 years old. I made it at 33 years old. I had a million dollars at 40. He had a million dollars at 32. He has broken every record. Fastest to 5 million. You got to be like that. you got to be competitive. You come with us. you got to be chasing those coaches, and you got to figure out how to get there as fast as you can. That's what this is about. Accumulating as much wealth as fast as you can so you have peace. Security, legacy, retirement. You have three choices right now. Write these down. You're in survival mode, retirement mode, or legacy mode. Where are you? Survival, Survival, retirement, or legacy. I'm in what? Legacy. Legacy. My children's 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 children. I just set up five generations of college funds in state college. So, let's talk about education. Public schools only. Got it? How many got your kids in private schools? It's a mistake. It's a waste of money. Take the money, put it in the S&P 500 every year, what you would pay for tuition for them. They'll have a ton of money when they get out of high school and college. College, in-state universities only. Where are they going? In-state. In-state. My coaches all the time. My kid's going to Clemson. No, he ain't go to North Carolina state because he lives in North Carolina. Got it? They go in state because it's half the price. An education is an education. They don't need to go out of state for a more expensive education. It's a waste of money. You're paying, so you should do it. Now, I think that I want to talk about kids for a minute. Okay? I do not believe in... What are the retirement funds for kids? Five two I do not believe in 529s. Chris, give him that because I'm going to start using them for some technical stuff. So, I do not believe in 529s. I believe in... What is the kids for minors account? What's it called? UGMA? Uh, UGMA. So I believe in UGMA accounts. It's a bank account. in yours in your kid's name. You manage it. They get it at what? 18 or 21? It depends on the state. 18 to 21. 18 to 21. And it's their money. But if you buy a 529 and your kids don't go to college, you've wasted that money. It's got to go to some other kid, some other relative to go to college. It's just an insurance policy. You put the money in an UGMA account. They don't go to college. They can start a business, buy a car, buy a house. That's a better start in life. Cash is king. Capitalism is the key. So we're going to talk about my budget. Go to the next page. And my team don't like putting my budget in anymore. Why do you think, Adam? My team doesn't like my budget in the book anymore. Why? It's big. It's really big. It's scary big. And it's down a bunch right now. And this is the after the, the credit. Okay. So you see my bills. My survival number, $8,000 a month. Do you see that? $8,000 a month. I have a super low overhead. How much is my paycheck? 970 grand after taxes. How much is my savings? $322 a month. How much is my giving? Giving. I have my own column for giving. How much is my giving? Adam, I'm on page 264. Rich, how much is my giving? $121,000 a month. Giving. So, law number one we save 20 percent what's law number one save 20 percent for 35 years law number two you must give giving starts at five percent it's fabulous at 10 it's unbelievable at 15 or 20. I think you must give five percent I think if you give two percent you are greedy if you give five percent you are generous that is the bar so if you give less than five percent of your money away you are greedy, greedy. if you give more than five percent you are generous yes Molly when you just so you know, I look at every personal budget of every employee from the receptionist to the CFO every month mandatory. If you work at my mortgage branch or you work at the core, ask them all out there. If I look at their budget, every one of you grab the staff and say, does Rick really look at your budget? I want every one of you to do that and ask them, does Rick look at your budget every single month? And they will tell you what? Yes. And sometimes I have to write checks. Why? They're not covering their bills. Got it? But I keep my employees a long time, Molly, because I look at all their budgets. Made my kids look at their budgets. I look at every employee's, every coaching student, every one of my 120 mortgage employees, I look at their personal budget. I've looked at Eric Berherke's budget for eight or nine years. Vanessa and Laura, I look at their budget every single month. Every month I look at their budgets. I never miss. My job is to do what? Make their life what? Better. Better. That's the employer's job. Raise your hand if you agree. Make your employees' life better. I look at all their budgets. Do you look at all your employees' budgets? No. Not as consistent. No. No. No is the answer. Not consistent is the college graduate answer, okay? No is the proper answer, okay? Why not? I look at yours. Why don't you look at theirs? I offered it. and and Oh, I don't offer it as Demand. Demand. It's a demand. To work for me, I got to what? Got to look at it. Cool. You're not really an offer kind of guy, are you? It's not really your style, is it? That's true. So, Laura, was it hard for me to start looking at your budget? Embarrassing? Tough? Very scary. scary. Do you like it now? (laughs) Vanessa, I've been looking at your budget for how long? Seven years? Was it scary when we first started doing it? It Intrusive. Intrusive. (laughs) Just so you all know, Rick is intrusive. You all learn that if you get in coaching. Your marriage, your love life, your religious beliefs, I am intrusive. I want you to pursue every category of your life with vigor. If you're Jewish, you go to synagogue. You practice. If you're a Christian, you go to church. If you're Muslim, you go wherever they go. If you're Hindu, you go wherever they go. Okay, You pursue it. Whatever is your belief system, you pursue it. How many of you can pursue your belief systems better? I can pursue mine better. I can pursue mine better. I can show up better for what I believe in. So I look at all their budgets. Mandatory, Molly. Surprised?
0: No, but my question is, if they're struggling to meet their obligation, how do you handle the saving 20% and giving 5% with their like
1: Well, if they're 16% saved, I say, we've got to find 4%. What can we cut? Cable, streaming, gym. What can we cut? We've got to stop going out. We got to bring a lunch. Now, I buy groceries for all my employees. Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack. Every day in my office, I provide. You all should write that down if you want to be better leaders. I provide oatmeal and cereal every morning. I provide snacks, fruit. I provide lunch meat. Pounds of ham and turkey. Preferably ham. Why? Cheaper than turkey. Okay? So, (laughs) we buy breakfast. We buy snack. We buy lunch. I mean, you come to my office and see the lunchroom looks like it's ridiculous. I mean, they've got it hanging up on all the wall. Good snacks, bad snacks, good candy, bad candy. I feed my people and I look at their budgets. Now, you can imagine working for me is not that fun, correct? So they need some benefits. But I'm telling you, they all save money. We did a meeting the other day with the staff people and I asked how many had bought a house? Vanessa, how many had put their hand up? Almost every employee that works for me has bought a home. I asked, how many of you are in the retirement? How many hands went up? Every home went up because I do a 5% match. If they put 5% in their pay in, I'll give them a 5% match for their 401k. We talked about how many have paid off debt. All of them have paid off debt. So it works for the broke people and the loaded people. It just works faster for who? The loaded people. So, questions so far? Yes. Tithing. Tithing. That's giving. I think it starts at five and goes up from there. What do you think it is? Well, that's tithe. So everybody doesn't follow that rule of the Old Testament. That's an Old Testament rule. Does that make sense? So generosity to me is 5% or above. That's generosity. So I think below 5%, I find it greedy. I had my mentor who I hired, Roy, who you see here does the Bible studies. We went to lunch and he says, do you give money? I said, yeah. He says, "How much you give away?" I think I think I gave away thirty grand last year. How much did you make? Three million. You're greedy. You're not generous. I instantly hired the guy. I've been with them for eleven years. I like people that call me out. People that like me like to be called out. You don't like to be called out, you ain't gonna like me. I call people out. I call it how it is to get better. So I have learned to be generous. I'm pushing. I don't even think I'm at ten percent. I think last year I was like eight point four percent. I couldn't even get over the hump. It just felt like what to me. Too much. My what? Weakness. You understand what that was? So, this year I'm doing way better. I'm doing really good. So, but I'm telling you, it's a process to be a saver. It's a process to be an investor. It's a process to be fit. It's a process to be coached. Giving is a process. But yes, I believe in being generous. And whatever you feel it should be. But that is an Old Testament term, the tithe. Does that make sense? Cool. And everybody believes differently what they believe and where they get their rules. So we talked about banks. We talked about credit cards. We talked about cars. We talked about insurance. We talked about kids' funds and college funds. Let's talk about this process, and then we'll talk about investing. Okay? So five columns. First column you fill out is column five. On the blank budget on the first page. Column five. Put fill out first. That's net paychecks. Net rents, net paychecks. Page 262 is a blank budget. Column five is first. First, you write down your net paychecks after taxes. Got it? Net paychecks after taxes. Rent, mom money, gift money. Yes. Whatever your net paycheck is that you can cash. Net paychecks, net rents, grandma gave you birthday money, whatever. Any money you get goes in column five. Identify where it came from. Your spouse, your spouse's spouse. Good. Second, you fill out is column two, the minimum owed. Minimum owed. You have a credit card with a $5,000 balance, minimum owed is 50 bucks. House payment minimum, car payment minimum, groceries minimum, gas minimum. This is what you're expecting to spend every month. Yeah. Is this just for me or for my spouse? as well? Oh, this is the family, your partnership, family, family budget. Now. Do April or May. This is April's checks, April's bills, May's house payment. Got it? April's checks, April's bills, May's house payment. So it's called May's budget, but it will be April's checks, April's bills, pay the May house payment. You never want to be 30 days late on the mortgage. The Utilities, you can be two or three weeks late. It's not a big thing. Next rule, column three and column five got to match. Column three, column five, make a line, say they got a match. So whatever I bring in, column five's got to match. You go to my budget. You see, I brought in 972. I spent 972. You see, I have an extra column for charity. Now you see right now I'm carrying 111,000 in my money market. You see I've saved this year a million. I've given away 276. You see my cash net worth is up to 74. 74 million, my total net worth is 90. So I have a house, I have a garage, I have an office building, I have a cabin. So I have 16 million in equity. Do I like real estate? Yes. I have 74 million in cash. Do I like cash? Yes, I like the stock market. We're going to talk a little bit about investing. Okay? So we clear on the budget. If you come with me, we look at it every month. Non-negotiable, non-changeable. Get over it. Surrender to my process. Get it done. If your wife don't like it, have her listen to the tape. We'll get her on it. Yes? What's this uh,
0: island right here?
1: Well, I bought an island. (laughs) That's another reason they didn't want it in the book. Okay? Listen. At this point, what should I do? Shouldn't I enjoy this money? Like, Jonathan, you've been to my man cave. Tell them what my man cave is like.
0: Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's like cars everywhere. You know, signs everywhere.
1: 10,000 square feet and it's right behind. I bought the office property behind my building and built my man cave behind my building. It's just ridiculous. So I want you to get to this point where you get to do ridiculous things. But now listen, I've been frugal my whole life. I've only started going crazy on the cars over the last four years. When I hit $20 I said, I'm going to buy what I want and enjoy what I want. This year, we're building a dream house. But I waited a long time to have these things. A long time of saving and grinding and investing and saving and grinding and investing. The problem with all of you, you want the big stuff too soon. Raise, Raise your hand if that's been a problem in your life. The big house, the big boat, the big car, too soon. The bank account pays for stuff. Now listen, write this down on a piece of paper. You either buy stuff with credit, you buy it with cash, or you buy it with interest. Jeff, what do all your clients buy stuff with? They buy stuff with finance. Interest. Yeah. Off the money. Yeah. So my interest decides what I buy. So last year, I made 21% on my portfolio. That's a lot of money. What am I building my new house with? Last year's interest. Now, if I knew this year, Jeff was going to give it all back, I probably wouldn't have started building this new house. But he assures me we're going to turn this around. Okay? Going to turn it around. So let's talk about investing for a couple of minutes. Let's talk about how to invest. It's 20% a month. You're filling up your reserves. And then we're going to start investing it. I'm going to teach you where to invest it. The greatest investment of all times is the S&P 500. It's called the SPY. Also, Vanguard has an option called what? VOO. Vanguard VOO. You can buy the Vanguard VOO. You can buy the SPY. What's the cost to manage it? Minimal, like 10 basis points. So it's super cheap to manage it. What's the cost on a mutual fund? Two, 2%. So 10 basis points or 200 basis points, which is better for you? So mutual funds are what? Expensive. Bad, bad, bad. Your 401k can be in the SPY. Your 401k can be in the Vanguard. So put your, your 401k, your IRA, either in the SPY or the, is it the VO or the VOO? Which is, which does the S&P 500? It's the VOO. Okay, good. VOO. Now, Those are two simple ways to invest. The next way to invest is the Invesco QQQ. That is buying the NASDAQ. So if you want high exposure to technology, you put some money in Invesco QQQ. So let's talk about the perfect portfolio. Okay. Portfolio number one. Perfect. SPY only. Only the S&P 500. Warren Buffett in all of his books says on his death all of his money is converted to the S&P 500. Nothing else, no investing, no nothing. So if Warren Buffett right now has 70% of his money in the SPY, I'm currently at 82%. So option A is all money in the S&P or the S&P and the QQQ. That would be option A. Option B, 80% in the S&P 500, 20% in five or six good stocks. Good stocks are... Here's the problem. Last year, what worked, Jeff? SPY. Anything. Yeah. What worked last year? Anything. Everything. You agree? Everything. Every stock worked last year. Trading, buying stuff, profitable, non-profitable. Here's my rules for a stock, and you tell them if I'm wrong. I like profitable companies. Is that the key? Correct. I like popular companies. Yes. I like necessary companies. Yes. Home Depot and Lowe's are what? Necessary. Necessary. FedEx or UPS is what? Necessary. Microsoft? Necessary. Amazon? Necessary. Apple? Necessary. Those are the stocks that I own. Those are my basic stocks. Costco? Necessary. Raise your hand if Costco is necessary. I cannot live without my Costco addiction. Their pizza for $1.99 and their four foot hot dog for $1.25 is unbelievable. That hot dog is like six inches around. It's unbelievable. So, to me, Costco is necessary. So, let's see what do I have any banks in my portfolio? No. Uh, I I just think that those companies and listen, FedEx, Home Depot, Amazon, Apple, they all been beat up, but they're companies that we're going to buy more. So we invest three ways. Got it. We have our plan. Option A is it's all S&P. Option B is all S&P and five stocks. Is that a bad plan? No. Do you teach it to your super rich guys? Yeah. Do they like it? Yeah. Now tell them what's the biggest lesson you've learned from me in the last 10 years. And you're a great financial planner. Keep it simple. And what do you do? Complicate it. God, he'll do talks for rich people, and I'm like, stop talking. Just smile, because what you're saying is blo- you're, you're, you're not helping yourself, okay? Keep it really well. All the rich guys love my stuff. You agree? Simple. Super simple. Super simple investing. Yes, Molly? In the 80-20
0: split, under that 20%, we could buy five or six. Is that where you would put that DOO
1: or the investment? No. Uh, no, I would put that in my 80%. I would either put the S&P or the QQQ, which the Vanguard BOO is the S&P. That would be in what I would call funds, 80% funds, F-U-N-D-S. You could buy the Dow, you could buy the NASDAQ, you could buy the Russell, you could buy the The S&P. What's the return on the S&P over the last 15 years? 12. 12% return over the last 15 years. Aren't you sick of messing with stocks, Paul? Isn't that a better answer? Cool. I'm just telling you, it's just cleaner, smoother, faster, easier. But I got a little bit of an ego. I think my picks, Paul, are going to beat that S&P. Here's what all your financial planners will tell you. Oh, this is going to. Who's heard this will rival the S&P? Who's heard that before from an investment advisor? Well, if it's going to rival the S&P, let's just what? You know why they don't want you to buy the S&P? It costs almost nothing to manage and they want that one percent fee. Do you understand it? So I like the S&P 500. I like a little QQQ. I like a handful of what kind of stocks? Profitable, popular, and what? Necessary. Now, is Microsoft necessary? I think it is. Can you live without it? I don't think you can. Can not, you live without Apple? I don't think you can. Li- can you live without Amazon? I don't think you can live without it. Home Depot or Lowe's, either one. You got, you. got How many of you have been either to a Home Depot or Lowe's in 30 days? That's most of the room. So one of those two stocks should be in your portfolio. How many have used FedEx or UPS in the last 30 days? So one of them should be in your portfolio. These are things that, to me, make a lot of sense. But they got to be profitable, popular, and necessary are my rules in a bad market. Are those good rules in this market? Absolutely. Cool. So these are my thoughts about the market. These are my thoughts about budgeting. We taped it. We'll send you a copy of it. You can listen to it again. Is my stuff complicated? No. So I'm just telling you, you're what? I didn't say stupid. You did. Just so you know, just so you know my lawyers have told me I'm not allowed to use that any word. I'm, to word. I'm allowed to use dumb. You're dumb. I'm not allowed to use stupid. There's some legal clarification about it. I can't use that word anymore because I used to like that word. But now I use dumb. Dumb is fixable. Do you agree? You're fixable. We're broken financially. We hate it. And we're going to get better. This is a guaranteed process. If you're in level three, I will look at this every month. You will look like Chris or better in five years. Yes, Michael. Um, what do you think about Roth or Lincoln? Okay. Let me explain Roth and simple. Okay. A Roth IRA, you pay the taxes and invest the money. A simple IRA, you put all the money in, pay the taxes later, which is better, Jeff? You want me to keep it simple, so I'm going to say the the 401k. Yes. So listen, I do not like Roth IRAs. I want to get a tax deduction now. When do I want to pay a lot of taxes? When you're not making as much. When I'm not making as much money, my tax rate goes down. So the, the, the process is a simple IRA, make all the money now, get a tax deduction. And how much of the money is working, Jeff, in a simple IRA? 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. How much is working in a 60%. Roth IRA? 60%. So you can either have 60% working in a Roth IRA or 100% in a simple IRA. I don't know where you went to school, but 100% working is better than 60% working, and I'll pay the taxes later, or I'll be dead and my estate will pay the taxes. Yes, Paul? I
0: wonder if there's any input on how to manage contributions and the flip on a, the
1: non-qualified. It's complicated. I can answer No. That. Uh, I I don't do deferred comp. Just so you know, a lot of companies offer deferred comp. I tell all my clients, stay away from it. Take your money when your money is due. They want that money, Paul, why? They can do more loans off your money instead of their money. You clear. Deferred comp is only for who, Paul? The owner of the company. They're not good. If that company goes out of business, guess what happens to your deferred comp? Any of you in deferred comp? Get out. Get out soon as you can get out of it, get out of it, don't put any more in. The company goes out of business, you lost all your money. It only gives them the benefit to have more cash so they can borrow more money. I do not like the deferred comp. Take your money, pay taxes, stick it in the market, put it in a trust, and it's what? Protected with no liability and no risk. So, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jeff. That's my budgeting. See you later. Bye. Have fun. Go to the next class.
0: You've been listening to the CORE's sales training boot camp. Registration information about our two day business building summit, call 1 800 660 6670 or find us on the web at www.macoretraining.com.